Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is about 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. We are in a WASP-free conference room here to preview some of the marquee games on our schedule for Week 3 of high school football season. Um, obviously, that means starting off with our reader-voted game of the week. So, yes, a, a big thank you to everybody who went to our website, starlocalmedia.com, and voted on the five selections for game of the week. We started off... Um, Wednesday morning, it was we basically had three games that were within about five to ten percent of one another. And then I went on Twitter, you know, and I guess I, I tagged the uh, the Twitter handles of those six programs involved, and just to see who would make a last a last push to see um, who would um, I guess who would separate from the pack. And uh, sure enough, one game indeed did do just that. Um, so credit to the folks over with Hebron, and then the folks up in uh, in Hazlitt with uh, with Eaton High School. That game, Hebron versus Eaton. Thursday, 7 o'clock kickoff at Northwest ISD Stadium. That is our game of the week. So let's uh, let's discuss this one. Two teams that I'm, well, one team that I have no familiarity with. I've never seen Eaton in person. <laughs> it's a fairly young varsity program. They're entering just their fifth year and whatnot. Um, you know, Hebron, they're part of District 66A, Louisville ISD. It's been a couple years since I've seen Hebron ply their craft. I will be at this game, though, on Thursdays. So um, so let's, um, yeah, let's just talk about it. Let's um, just kind of a little bit of backstory as to how these teams got to this point, um, let's start with Eaton. You know, as um, as I mentioned, it's still a um, you know a fairly upstart program in just its fifth year of varsity athletics. Um, they did their road though has been a little bit unconventional. As um, you know, you look you typically look at teams that when they're starting off at the varsity level, usually there's like a, an 0 and 10 season or a 1 and 9. You just kind of kind of build up from there. Eaton made the playoffs in just its second year of varsity athletics. Not only did they make the playoffs in 2017, they won a playoff game against Sherman. Um, they've been trying to get back to the playoffs though um, ever since. But this is a team that's got a little bit of a little bit of momentum going early on in the season. They're two and zero. They had a very convincing victory over Fort, well, uh, Fort Worth Boswell, uh, 48 to three, and then um, you know a much much different game. But um, you know they were able to tough out a 17 to seven victory over Mansfield Legacy. Um, with with, uh, with Hebron, um, it's been a bit of a different season for Hebron. They um, they started off and um, basically the same team that they ended last season against uh, Denton Geyer. Denton Geyer sent Hebron packing in the first round of the uh, 6A Division II playoffs uh, last season before Geyer made its march all the way to the state championship game. And then they opened up the season against each other on uh, back on September 25th. Um, Kind of the kind of the same story. I believe the uh, the playoff game last year was like fifty to thirty, and then the uh, the week one game was fifty six to thirty three. Um, once again, Hebron had a really tough time with that guy ground game. Even though Kadra Cobbs has gone and graduated, uh, Byron Phillips filled right in, and they did not miss a beat. Um, they uh, they ran they ran rough shot on Hebron. Hebron though a little undermanned. Didn't have their starting quarterback Weston Conaway. He was out. Jacob Buniff wound up getting the start in that game. Um, but nevertheless, though Hebron zero and one, and then. 
Houston, they didn't get to play last week. They were one of the casualties to the uh, to the pandemic. Um, with something related to their um, you know to the high school, not so much with the football program. You know, per head coach Brian Brazel, they didn't have any uh, any confirmed positive tests within the football program. But the high school itself, you know, had a I guess had a little bit of a, a problem there. I know the volleyball team had to shut things down for a bit. They actually just got going on a, on Tuesday night in their first match in a, in a couple weeks. Um, so with um, you know with Heber and their football team, they weren't able to play last week against Arlington Martin. So we'll see. Does that factor into I guess the uh, the the, uh, the rhythm of the groove that they're able to find Thursday against Eaton? But nevertheless, though Hebron's searching for its first win of the season. Um, as far as um, just this matchup in general, guys, um, what um David, what about this matchup interests you? Um, it's it's. It's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of adjustments at first because these are two teams that are not familiar with each other at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a chess match, you know, a little bit adjustment period to see how they adjust to as the game goes along, just to try to figure it out, um, especially because they're on opposite sides of the Metroplex. Um, but um, the thing that intrigues me about this is just to kind of see um, what uh, Heber can do as far as like building off some positives of, of the Geyer game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're only down twenty-one to thirteen in that game as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, they're down, like, uh, and they're they're actually up ahead in that game too early in the first half. Okay. So um, I think there's some positives. You know, I think they're gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see what they can do as as far as their quarterback play. Who's gonna be able to play this week? Um, is Conway gonna be ready to go, or, or are they still gonna go with their backup this week? Mm-hmm. So um, it's gonna be a good. You know, good challenge for them. But um, I'm pretty sure you know Brazil's gonna try to take some positives away from that game and build it onto this one. Uh, yeah. Dep- yeah, I was I was gonna say um, regardless of who, who's play quarterback for they have weapons in the back and, and, and outside yeah. so that was actually what what kind of stuck out to me is is how they match up with that Eaton defense because mm-hmm. if you look at that Eaton defense they've been great i mean holy i mean they've allowed 10 points this season <laughs> i mean you know in two games um that's a quarter in most of these spread wide open you know games that we have mm-hmm. uh, that we cover uh they give up 149 yards in the first game i guess and 112 <laughs> second um and you know in that first game you know 48 to 3 you know you start putting in the second string you know sometimes those numbers get you know inflated mm-hmm. you know due to the uh, back was being in but they you know they finished like they started strong uh you know they basically they, they've given up less than 100 yards passing on the season over two games and and again part of it is the teams they're playing yeah um and in the style of game but um just really curious to see how that uh, how Hebron's skill goes up against that Eaton defense because mm-hmm. it, something's got to give there I I think, you know, Heber and their track record is such that they're going to make big plays. But that was, I guess, the game inside the game is what I'd kind of be looking mm-hmm. at. Yeah, from, you know, from my vantage point, I just, I'm anxious to kind of see, because it's with Heber and it's just one game, it's against a team that projects to potentially contend for yeah. a state title. So how much can you really take away from the Geyer game as far as what Heber truly is this season? Um, so I'm just kind of curious to find out just kind of where they, what this game tells us about where they fall in the district pecking order over in 6XA. It's, it projects to be such a competitive district, and we're getting an idea as far as, you know, Marcus looks like they're still the team to beat. Capel looks to be much improved um, from last season. You know, you're seeing Flower Mound flex its muscles on defense a bit more than we're accustomed to in the past. And then you got a team like Louisville that is just putting up just absurd offensive numbers. So I just want to know where Hebron fits in the in the mix of all that. And this is a chance to, you know, to do so against a, an Eaton team that I don't think there's anybody in 4-6A that's going to overtake South Lake Carroll. That seems like their district to lose, and they'll probably have a number of uh, – Fairly lopsided games, but nevertheless, though in that next tier, that's where I think you know you could very well see a team like Eaton, you know, take up stock as as a as a, as a two seed or a three seed. So Denton not in that district anymore. I know, yeah, exactly. It's that you know you're not just a you know Southlake not going anywhere, or whatever. They're still the team to beat, 
but obviously there's a lot of parity elsewhere. So, you know, a chance to, um, you know, to pick up a, a win that I guess, uh, you know, an inspiring performance by Hebron could potentially, I guess, reinsert themselves as far as, okay, this team does look like it still has the, has the potential to contend for a playoff spot and whatnot. Because Hebron, they did lose a lot from last year. You know, obviously, you know, they're breaking in a brand new quarterback. Their backfield was supposed to be a bit of a strength coming into this season. But then over the offseason, Isaiah Broadway, he transfers out to Lancaster. You know, so you're left without a, you know, a kid that was expected. He was a, a two-year contributor at running back. I believe as a freshman, he was the uh, the district's uh, offensive newcomer of the year. Really, really promising running back, a Division One prospect. So they've had to shuffle the deck a bit back there. But like you mentioned, though, Devin, with, um, you know, there's still talent, and specifically yeah. at wide receiver, because that's an area that, uh, you know, Brian Brazel said heading into the season, they might be as deep at wide receiver as any team that he's ever had. You know, and that's not just with uh, with Nick Frazier, who averaged a, a jaw-dropping 27 yards per mm-hmm. catch last season, but Jedi Henry. Uh, let's see, Nick Harris, um, Wesley Douglas, their tight end, uh, Dakota Bridges. You know, he's had a, had a couple brothers come through the uh, through the program and whatnot. But, um, you know, Henry Bridges, their Division One prospects as well. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's still plenty of talent there. So it's going to be a much different uh, a much different look than what Eaton saw, you know, these last couple weeks with Legacy and, um, you know, and, uh, and Boswell. The big thing, though, um, if you're just getting into kind of the uh, the MO and kind of how uh, how Eaton went about conducting its business in that 17-7 to game against Legacy, their ball control was incredible. Yeah. The number of carries that they, they oh, were yeah. able to, the number of plays their offense ran was pretty ridiculous. They they were able to outsnap Legacy in this game on offense, 84-31. to 31. <laughs> 31. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that contributes to how you only are able to muster just a little over 100 yards of offense is you barely had the ball. Um, I mean, say, I mean, if you do that math, I mean, that's almost 75% of the offensive snaps were run by uh, by Eaton. And yeah, you mentioned just with the uh, with that run game, you know, they were able to, let's see, what do they have down there? Oh yeah, they, they 69 rushes for 327 yards. It's it's basically two, you know, two guys that anchor that run game. It's the it's their lead rusher, Jabez Hawkins, and then their quarterback, Brayden St. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Saint Alma. Um, you know, they were um, it's a run game that's averaging 316 yards per game so far. Honestly, but just looking at them on, on tape, though, from what they did, the most impressive part of that to me was the job the offensive line did, just making yeah. everything just so seamless for them. And that's a big offensive line. That's where the Lions' share of the experience on offense resides with guys like Josh Garza, Brady Blankenship, Hunter Herb. Hunter Herb is a 6'6 left tackle. They got uh, Heston Edwards, a 6'5 right guard. There's a lot of size on that offensive line uh, for Eaton. So that's, and you know, you're going against a, a Hebron front line. Line, which, while traditionally strong, they had to replace a ton of seniors on defense. You know they're in a pre- they're in pretty good shape in the secondary with Mason Williamson, Vincent Miller. Um, you know, but elsewhere though, you know it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of guys that saw reps, but not so much as uh, as starters last season. You know, you still have a you know a guy like Mikel Sutton who is a, a a returning starter on the defensive line. Uh, Carter Brock had a really really strong game against uh, Denton Geyer. You know, but um, but nevertheless, they're still relatively young up front. So just kind of how that. How's that matchup going to work out? Because I think if you're Hebron and you're, you have you know your eyes on on winning this game, you've got to you can't just get pushed around in the trenches because that's just I mean it's going to allow uh, Eaton to play the game at the at the tempo that they uh, that they want. Um, so yeah, that's you know kind of one of the uh, one of the key matchups to look for. And I think um, with a uh, with a ball control offense and one that wants to run the ball a ton, you know I mean you look at then Eaton's passing game is kind of how that's operated. Um, you know on the other end, and it's still a, a 
it's still an area that's been um, – it hasn't really taken off yet. You know, St. Amas is just uh, 8 of 22 for 136 yards on the season. But nevertheless, um, so it's – but that's an area, though, where if you're looking at um, kind of the uh, the road to victory, you you, you got to basically eliminate any sort of short yardage situations for them. You know, a lot of your, uh, your success on defense is going to boil down to how you execute on first and second down and basically trying to get into as many long uh, yardage passing situations as you can because, again, that's still an area that, you know, at least through two games, they have not shown a, a level of comfort in executing. But, you know, we'll, um, you know, we'll see. Um, let's see. As far as a... Uh I don't know, as far as a, a matchup in this or just some other aspect of this game, um, I don't know, uh, Devin, what is, um, is there any matchup that kind of jumps off the page to you in this? Well, I mean, I, I mean, personal. I I, t- I talked about the, the defense. I, I want to see. A, I, you're going to be at this game, yeah. but uh, that job as Hawkins, forty carries last week. Yeah. How? When's the last time that a high school running back had forty carries in a game that you covered? Not an I. Not, not in the game that I covered, but I remember Little Elm had a running back back in around like 2012, 2013. Uh, Keon Kenner. He went on to have a pretty solid college yeah. career at, at Kansas, but he he had one of those where he was averaging around like thirty to forty carries a game, and he had just some absurd numbers. He was, I believe, the 5A player of the year. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's not too often, especially, as like you said, just in the uh, in an age of wide-open spread offenses where you got quarterbacks that are throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game that you see running backs that um, that have that sort of workload. But it was a game that, um, that, yeah, I mean, obviously they had a ton of success doing it, so why go away from it? And there wasn't a whole lot that Legacy could do to deter them from just running the ball down their throats. So, yeah, I mean, if that's the if that's what the, uh, the game script calls for, then you Got to obviously acquiesce. Well, and, and that's what I, I guess. That, that a couple things then was was Hebron. Can their defense be physical enough? Because you know, forty carries, you're mm-hmm. going to take a beating. If you, but that a physical defense is going to wear you down. Where they cannot be, the, you're not going to be able to feed the guy forty times. Uh, the other thing is, you know, and you touched on uh, Hebron's skill on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a quarterback situated that they can get them the ball, that's really what I kind of look at as kind of could be the difference in the game. Because mm-hmm. Eaton hasn't given up many big plays. I mean, they've only allowed thirteen completions in yeah. two games. Um, and they haven't gone for much yardage. But, I mean, I, I said, you know, 91 total yards they've given up through the air. Well, Heber can do that in one play with those guys they have mm-hmm. on the outside. So I think that, uh, you know, Hebron's if they can break a couple big plays, it, to- it totally changes the complexion of the game because then, like you say, Eaton's got to open up a little bit. They can't just ride that mm-hmm. ground attack. Um, and I think Hebron's the first team they face that has the ability to open things up and hit you with those quick strikes that can, yeah. can change things in a hurry. As far as just the physicality on defense, I mean, history says they can just yeah. because that's kind of been their MO mm-hmm. over the years. But like I mentioned, though, this is still a fairly new defense. They've only returned three, four starters from last season. So whereas, you know, your pedigree says that you're capable of playing to that level and just, I mean, the way that, I mean, this is a program that's made the playoffs eight of the last 10 years. So it's not like they're not accustomed to replacing talented senior classes. It's just that this group right now, as far as we can see, that they just have one game under their belt. So it's otherwise, it's, it's unproven at the moment. But, you know, history says that they can, but again, you gotta, you gotta see it firsthand. Um, let's see, David, did you have a pick for this game? Um, I'm actually going to take Hebron. Okay. I, I like their ability to create explosive plays, you know, and, and like Texas football, you got to create points mm-hmm. and with uh, Hebron's explosive and especially the way that they can, if they can try to get up early in this game, that's going to be huge against a, a clock control mm-hmm. offense right there. And that's going to force them to, you know, you know, not, 
like instead of you know being able to chunk out like three or four yards and maybe have like a big play every now and then, mm-hmm. it's going to force them to pass the ball. And obviously, uh, in the first game, they actually created a turnover against uh, Eli Stowers, who's going to be going to Texas A&M mm-hmm. when he overthrew a receiver, and uh, yeah. they got. And then I think uh, Hebron converted that to points like a few plays later mm-hmm. to make it a twenty-one to thirteen game. So you know, if Hebron you, you can be able to come get a, a little bit ahead early in this game, that's going to be huge for him. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, one thing I'm curious about, so in the wake of the pandemic and, you know, obviously with them losing out on their game last week, um, like I said, it wasn't because if they had, they had any, uh, you know, any positive tests within the, uh, within the program, it was, you know, kids that had come into contact with other students around the school and they had to quarantine those kids and whatnot. And one thing that coach Braz talked about was, you know, perhaps having to uh, ramp up the number of kids that they use on both sides of the ball, just so as to prevent, you know, if they run into this issue down the road, um, you know, just um, having to worry about that again. So I'm curious to see if, because, you know, sometimes when you try kids out at different positions, maybe sometimes you can kind of unearth a bit of a diamond in the rough and some kid that you otherwise maybe not would have, uh, you know, wouldn't have thought would have worked at a certain position. Now, all of a sudden now, this kid has a role on the team that, you know, you feel like you might be able to put into practice. So I'm curious to see if you, if we see any, like you have players like in the secondary, like, you know, Vincent Miller, Mason Williamson, they see time at both defensive back and wide receiver, but you see any other instances like that in the wake of what happened over the, uh, over the past week where he maybe he and uses some kids in, in some spots that they otherwise might not have a whole lot of experience playing playing in, but you know otherwise showed some promise over the past week to where they feel like they can maybe make an impact there. I um I too side with Hebron in this one. I um I do think that there is something to be said for just the uh, again the the pedigree that this program has in making the playoffs eight of the last ten years. This would honestly be just kind of looking over just their history as a program. This would probably be up there with the best wins in the history of Eaton football. Just their short lived program history. Were able to pick up this win. You know, they obviously they had the playoff win over Sherman back in 2017. I think you know Hebron. You know, is obviously thought of you know at least on a higher tier than uh, than Sherman is nowadays. You know, then they also had a uh, had a win over South Grand Prairie. You know, once a uh, you know a couple years ago. That's also a you know quality program, a usual you know staple in the playoffs. Um, this Hebron team, though, is I think a cut above what they've seen. And I uh, again, I don't think the Geyer game is necessarily indicative of what Hebron is right now. So um, we'll see. But yes, I um, you know I like their ability to perhaps be a little bit more dynamic on offense and some of these other teams and, you know, put, um, you know, put Eaton in some, uh, some spots that are a little bit more uncomfortable for a team that has shown that they, uh, they kind of need to be able to, uh, you know, kind of control things on the ground. So I, um, I side with Hebron just having a few more ways to win this one. How about you, Devin? I flipped. It came up heads, so I, I took Hebron. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I just, it's, you know, again, I mean, we, we talked about it before. I mean, I've never seen Eaton. They're kind of off my radar, uh, you know, in Region One and, and whatnot. Uh, I just, uh, you know, just by looking at it, I thought I thought that Hebron, based on their track record, I, I you know, I, it has a couple big plays in them, and I think that's going to be. I think it's going to be low scoring, mm-hmm. relatively. I mean, relatively low scoring. You know, twenty four, twenty one yeah. among you know, kind of that not seventeen seven, not seven to three, but um, but no, I took Hebron. All righty, and that is uh, yes, that's a look at um, at our game of the week again, Hebron versus Northwest Eaton. This game Thursday, 7 o'clock at a Northwest ISD Stadium. Hope it's a fun one. I think I'm getting a little excited for this game, so we'll see if it, uh, if it lives up to the hype. So, yes, that was our reader-voted game of the week. We did have four other games that were, um, that were up for consideration, so we can do a quick breakdown, some predictions for those games, and just kind of lay, uh, we can set the table for some of the marquee matchups um, for the rest of our coverage docket. The, um, let's start with the other two games that were sort of in contention for game of the week. Um, like I said, this was, a, this was the three-horse race as of Wednesday morning. The, uh, one of the other games that was in contention, Capel versus Highland Park. This is a 7.30 Friday kickoff out at 
Highlander Stadium. Highland Park playing its first game of the season. They're getting a little bit of a late start, um, you know. So they and they get a uh, they get a much improved Capel team, a Capel team that is two and zero, looking to build off wins over Mesquite and Saxe to open up the season. Um, you know, with with Highland Park, it's you know it's just it's Highland Park once again. I mean, they, they went eleven and two last season. You know, regional semifinals. Um, you know, which again I guess is you know kind of shooting low for them given what they've been capable of. You know, in recent years, just with all the uh, you know the state championships and whatnot. Um, their bugaboo last year was first go Lone Star. Lone Star, uh, they made a little bit of history at HP's expense. They were the first team in Texas to beat them in Highlander Stadium since the 90s. Um, you know, then they beat them again in the playoffs in a, in a game that actually did require overtime. You know, Highland Park graduated a ton from last season, but it's HP. They reload as seamlessly as anybody. Them and Alito are just, it's the most well-oiled machines in 5A football, um, you know, that we've seen over the last, you know, over the last decade and such. Um, you know, obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on the situation at quarterback for them and, and Braden Shager, just given the bar that Highland Park has set for itself over the years at that position with John Stephen Jones, Chandler Morris, um, just this assembly line of Division One signal callers, and you know Shager, he uh, he kind of fits that uh, fits that mold as far as a quarterback that certainly is uh, is not lacking in potential. We'll see what he can actually do at the uh, at the varsity level. Um, they're stocked pretty well on defense, especially at linebacker with Patrick Turner, uh, Marshall Landwehr. Um, but again, they're uh, you know they got they're going up against a team that has played two games. So how much does that does that matter um, in this sense, um, David? Where um, kind of talk a bit about what interests you about this matchup, and ultimately where are you leaning for a prediction? Uh, just like you mentioned it, the quarterback battle. Mm. I mean, Braden Shager, uh, he's taken over for uh, for Chandler Morris, who is now at your alma mater, Oklahoma, That's I believe. Right. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> it's not a good year for Boomer Sooner, but Boomer Sooner nonetheless. Uh, well, uh, we'll see how it goes after Saturday against against Texas. So, yeah, I'm, uh, gonna say that. I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> no predictions from these two guys. After um, but uh, Shager, he's a Hawaii commit. Okay, uh, there you go. He's a Hawaii commit, and actually, um, he, he's he's played with Highland Park before in relief of Morris last mm-hmm. year and in relief he almost threw for over almost 500 yards and six touchdown passes so <laughs> that's really good so yeah that's that's pretty good for for a backup quarterback right there yeah. so um obviously highland park you know they have some games that get out of hand pretty fast so mm-hmm. i mean th- to him to get that experience was pretty big and and even before like this year uh, before he committed to hawaii he actually had 14 division one offers so, um, you know, pretty good quarterback right there. And obviously, you know, uh, Capel's got one of their own. You know, mm-hmm. Ryan Walker, um, he's he's like – he's just – the offense has just been clicking so far. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards last week in a win against Saxe, who was a, another playoff team from a year ago. And, mm-hmm. and the connection that him and K.J. Liggins have having right now is just out of this world. And now Liggins had three touchdown catches and over 150 receiving yards last week. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what these uh, – these two passing teams can do against each other on Friday. Um, personally, uh, I mean, Highlander Stadium, it's a, it's a place that a lot of teams, you know, go to lose right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've only had one loss in the Randy Allen era over there, Highlander Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe it was two. Two? Okay. Because, yeah, Pulaski Academy also got the better of them. Okay, but, yeah, okay. Yeah, we don't it's... count those recruiting machine <laughs> private schools from out of state. <laughs> so, just... If this is like a normal, like a, like if Highland Park, you know, already played their regular season mm-hmm. schedule so far, I, I would kind of lean towards them, just like the high, the Highlander Stadium, you know, factor, and mm-hmm. also just like like how well oil and machine they are. But with this with this being a pandemic and not them not having played a game this year, I'm gonna lean a little bit towards Capel. 
You're taking Capel. I'm taking Capel. Going sticking with Capel this week. Devin, where did you lean on this game? Uh, to me, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, Highland Park graduates a huge senior class every year, and they've shown the ability to reload every mm-hmm. year. Uh, for me, it's pretty simple. Randy Allen took over that program in 1999. They've never lost more than two games in a season under Randy Allen. But considering most seasons end with a loss in the playoff, not necessarily for Highland Park always, mm-hmm. but most you know most game most seasons end with a loss. That means that a lot of times they go undefeated or maybe one loss during the regular mm-hmm. season. They just don't lose in the regular season. They don't lose at Highlander Stadium very often. I got Highland Park. In uh, in my case, you know, with Highland Park, the uh, I mean, it was incredible last year when Lone Star was able to pull off mm-hmm. what it did, and then you saw what that Lone Star team went on to do. You know, going all the way to the state semifinals, they were ranked number one in the state most of the year. If that's the caliber of team that it takes to finally do the unthinkable. <laughs> and beat them at Highlander Stadium. I'm not sure Capel is at that level. I like where Capel's headed, though. Yeah. I think they are, you know, trending towards being a playoff team in 6-6A. But, again, putting aside the fact that, you know what, maybe them not getting, maybe Highland Park playing its first game of the season, maybe that, I guess, closes the gap a bit, gives Capel more than just a, a puncher's chance that most teams would have going into there. But nevertheless, though, I, uh, it's just you got to be a special, special team for me to, you know, think you're going to go in there and beat Highland Park in Highlander Stadium. So I side with these Scots as well. We can then shift to talk about um, a, a fun little game out in Frisco, out at the uh, out at the Star Friday, seven p.m. District play is underway in seven five eight Division two, and this could be, I guess, a uh, an early um, you know an early edge in potential uh, tiebreaker or whatnot as far as who could contend for you know if we feel like Frisco and Denison and Lovejoy in some order are your top three teams, then you know teams like Lebanon Trail Memorial figure to be in the mix for that fourth spot. Um, you know, it's obviously nice to get a nice head to head win in that pursuit so um yeah these two t- these two uh square off friday at seven the uh, the trailblazers and the warriors um let's see uh Devin, you talked a little bit about this matchup on monday's podcast um so just what is um what's something that jumps out about this one and ultimately where are you leaning as far as a prediction goes yeah you know we talk about it sometimes um the, the district opener a lot of people just kind of oh district opener we'd like to start on the right foot well sometimes that's the difference between making the playoffs and not because it comes down to tiebreakers and it's the head-to-head like you said this likely is going to be kind of in that fourth and fifth you know, place range. Uh, so it's, it's a huge game for a district opener. Uh, Lebanon Trail, uh, you know, just the third year as a program. They're off to a 2-0 start for the second straight year. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year it didn't. A 2-0 start didn't parlay into future success. They ended up 3-7. and seven. But, uh, you know, for a program that's still building, um, you know, every win is, is big. Uh, you know, they got some, you know, really good quarterback play from Drew Martin. Um, you know, he's thrown for 293 yards and three touchdowns, rushed for over 100 yards, so he has that element of his game as well. Uh, Parker Maui and Greg A. Hartley, if he's rushed for more than 100 yards. Uh, Drew Donnelly, um, their all-district receiver, uh, kind of got on track. He got a slow start in the opener, four catches for 80 yards last week, but he's he's one of those guys that can explode at any time. Um, and the defense has been solid. I mean, they, they forced four turnovers uh, in two games. Uh, you know, the winning against Burtner was, was, was a solid win, but the winning against Corsicana was what kind of opened people's eyes because Corsicana mm-hmm. is a playoff team last yeah. year. Um, and, and certainly a huge confidence bilster. And, and, and Memorial, uh, you know, kind of a, a similar start. I mean, they had their chances to win against Justin Northwest in, in the opener, but they, you know, lost the lead in the final minute. Uh, so that was disappointing, but they were able to bounce back uh, in kind of a, an odd week in that they were supposed to play Sunnyvale. So they'd been, you know, start prepping for Sunnyvale. And then at the last second, Sunnyvale says, no, we're not going to. Well, not COVID related, but they had their own schedule. It's a whole different matter, their own <laughs> scheduling issues. Um, so they pick up Hallsville at the last second for a Saturday for a Saturday game. They're able to pick up a, a nice 34-24 uh, win over Hallsville. Um, you know, Ethan Lawler, kind of similar to, to Drew Martin, has done a solid job throwing the ball, managing not making mistakes. Um, 
spread the ball around uh, to several different guys. Uh, Zion Steptoe has probably been the, the, at the forefront of that with seven catches, 117 yards. Uh, Garen Huey's been steady on the ground. And they've got, they've got some active guys on defense. I mean, just looking over their, their numbers, uh, Max Honsecker, Johnny Breeden, Caleb Schreier, Jake Herzog, all have more than 20 tackles in two games. They're mm-hmm. averaging better than 10 tackles a game. And, of course, Jake Herzog was the hero last week. You know, three interceptions, uh, including a pick six, mm-hmm. you know, late. So, um, you know, both teams are coming in with some minimum. Uh, again, a pivotal game, what could be, you know, two months from now when you start looking at the playoff picture. I'm kind of riding, you know, maybe that you look at a third-year program and that gets that learning curve, that winning curve seems to, to be a little bit steeper sometimes. And I, I took Lebanon Trail in a close game. Uh, I, I think it's, it's going to come down to the wire, but – you know, it's, it's third-year program. It's, it's a lot of times, is that that's when it starts to click in. You got those guys that went through the program as freshmen and sophomores. They're a little bit older now, um, and so I took Lebanon Trail in a close game. How about you, David? Where'd you lean on this one? Uh, it's it's going to be a close game too. I've, I've really liked what Derek Roberson's done with this program. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, even though they finished with a one and nine record, there were a lot of games that were really close. They had a lot of games that were five points, three points, eight points. So it's it's it was only in his second year, but it shows you like you know this team's building. You know they're learning, you know how to play in close games, mm-hmm. and you know like know like situations like how to handle like things like whenever it's close game if they need like a certain play to happen or clock management. So this is a team that's still learning, and I think they're gonna obviously gonna take the next step this year. So um, obviously you got to like the play of uh, their quarterback uh, Ethan Lawler, mm-hmm. and obviously they got a great wide receiver, receiver in Jacoby Bullock right there. Mm-hmm. So um, I. I think this is going to be a good game right here, um, but I'm going to just give the slight edge to Lebanon Trail. Um, just you know, they've had a little bit more success. I've, like I like the the. The, the wideout situation with uh, Drew Donnelly over there at Lebanon mm-hmm. Trail. I feel like he's just going to make one or two plays that might be the difference right there. Okay. So I feel, I feel like Lebanon Trail is going to win it, but in a very highly contested game. I picked Lebanon Trail as well. So a, a clean sweep for the Trailblazers to get their first district win of the 2020 season against Rival Memorial. Um, let's see. Let's close this out then with a look at a non-district matchup pitting a team from District 66A in Louisville. They will be traveling to Arlington to take on Lamar. This is a 7 o'clock kickoff, I believe, from Cravens Field. This is an interesting matchup because I'm not entirely sure what either of these teams are right now. So with, with Lamar, they've two very, very different games to yeah. start the year with them. So they, they obviously, they, they showed really, really well in that opener against Trinity. Even in defeat, a 35-28 loss to Euless Trinity. They were right there, just blow for blow with Trinity right until the very end when Trinity scores a touchdown inside the final minute to win. Uh, no shame in that. Again, Trinity's, you know, a state-ranked at the time, um, you know, but with uh, with but then you look at their next game and they beat Waxahachie nineteen to seven. And Devin, I could see you already, uh, you know, I guess you've looked at the box score and you've seen the uh, the jaw dropping stat from this. They win this game nineteen to seven despite finishing plus six <laughs> in turnovers. They had five interceptions, one of which was a pick six. So yes, that means they had one offensive touchdown in this game. So can't imagine how many times you've seen a football team win a game by 12 points despite having a plus six advantage in turnover differential. Um, you know, they won a game where they totaled just 143 yards of offense. So, I mean, what the heck is this team? And you know, they're going up against a Louisville team that's kind of in the same boat, at least on the defensive side. I and mean, we know that offense is loaded. And that's that's kind of been the big story to start the season with Louisville's offense has been uh, Damian Martinez, who was the 668 offensive newcomer of the year last season. He is, um, as a sophomore, he had 93 carries for 619 yards and eight touchdowns, okay? And that was across, again, in an 11-game season. Through two games, 
44 carries, 417 yards, and 10 touchdowns in two that's, freaking games. That, that, that's, what, that's what got me looking. I, I was like, 10 touchdowns. <laughs> he's had back-to-back he's, back five touchdown he's, he's, games. He's on pace for 50 in regular season. <laughs> and not to, not to derail, but I, yeah. I was like, okay, i got to remind myself. What the all-time for season, sure. season record? 70. Jonathan Gray and oh, Alito. And yeah, I remember that course, because yeah. that Alito team played petite yeah. in the playoffs. But what's remarkable is he had 70 his senior year, 61 his junior year, and 59 <laughs> his sophomore year. I mean, not to derail, but yeah, I just no, was no, like, no. I, I was reminded just how incredible Jonathan Gray was. But just to even be considered in that conversation, not saying he's in the conversation, yeah. but if you're on pace to score 50 touchdowns, which he's not going to do. But if you're, <laughs> even after two games, if you're on pace, that's pretty incredible. And he's averaging what? Nearly 10 yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and the thing is, that's a balanced offense. Oh, yeah, because that's, the, that's <laughs> the part of the defense. That's the part of the offense that was, I guess, the lesser of the two as far as one side being established versus the passing game, which with Taylor Green and Armani Winfield, Isaiah Stevens, I mean, you knew that side. I mean, that side was clicking from the get-go last season. It wasn't until later on in the year when Martinez started to take on a much larger role in the offense and really seemed to come on strong later in the year. Um, but now, yeah, I mean, you add that dynamic with Martinez being, you know, I mean, at that rate i mean heck i mean with that kind of output i mean yeah he might that's like district mvp level stuff and whatnot so i mean who knows if he's able to how much of this he's able to sustain again yeah five touchdowns a game probably <laughs> unlikely i mean that's again that's incredible we were just freak i mean just you mentioned those jonathan gray numbers and i'm like and i saw that i was like oh my goodness i can when was the last time the week covered a running back that had back-to-back five touchdown games and then jonathan gray i guess did this like every week for, <laughs> yeah, for three years <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's wild. Now Martinez is off to an impressive, impressive start. It's the it's the defensive side though that I'm more curious to see what happens. You know, obviously, uh, you know Rockwell Heath has an incredible offense, and they showed that even after the fact <laughs> against South Lake Carroll last week. So they're going to score points on everybody. Um, you know, and they score plenty on Louisville. You know, it was between all three phases they totaled 72 points in that opener. Then Louisville's defense last week against Wiley they held them to 15. Um, but that was a Wiley team that got shut out by Plano West the week before. They're still going through a bit of a a bit of a, a retrenching phase right now. So, again, I'm not really sure what we know about Louisville's defense up to this point. So, with what Arlington Martin's offense has shown and two Jekyll and Hyde performances <laughs> and what Louisville's defense has shown and two Jekyll and Hyde performances, I, uh, I had a really tough time on this one. And perhaps it was just simply going with what I know and the program that maybe just proximity-wise just a little bit more familiar with. It could bite me in the, uh, you know, come back to haunt me because I this was kind of the same logic that led to me picking them over Heath and that pick backfired. So this could just be one of those schools that I just have a really tough time figuring out this season, but I took Louisville. Um, don't really feel confident in it at all, but I guess perhaps just if I had to make any case, perhaps just being a little bit more, uh, just the, again, the ceiling of that offense and just kind of what that unit is kind of molding itself into. Um, I mean, I think they can obviously show quite a bit better than Waxahachie or even Trinity for that matter, just because Trinity just doesn't have the air, you know, just the air attack that, uh, you know, that Louisville does. I think, they can attack this uh, this Lamar defense in enough ways to get the win. So we'll see. Don't feel don't feel confident at all in the slightest, though. It's a it's a different Lamar team than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw them play in the playoffs last year okay. against Ulysses uh, Trinity, um, and it, like their offense last year was centered around their quarterback and their wide receiver. They had Jack Dawson as their quarterback who mm-hmm. threw for over two thousand last year yards last year, and and they're probably their best player on their team, uh, especially on offense, was their wide receiver Trayvon West, mm-hmm. and uh, he went over for one hundred fifty yards in that game right there against Ulysses uh, Trinity, and they actually beat Ulysses Trinity in that game, uh, and uh, especially in the second half. Because they kind of wore them down on, like you know, limited the yards per carry in the second half, and mm-hmm. and kind of wore them down a little bit. So it's different, definitely you know, new quarter. 
quarterback, you know, trying to figure out who the number one wide receiver is for that team. So it's definitely a team a little under a little bit of transition right there. Um, so for me, that's the reason why I'm picking Louisville. They have that continuity on offense right there. Um, obviously, not only the running game, but the passing game. So I feel like Louisville is going to win this game by at least 10 points. Okay. You kind of in the same boat, Devin? Uh, you know, it's hard to pick against a team that averages 20 yards per completion and your main back averages 10 yards carry, basically. Um, when I first thought about it, I was picking Louisville. Then when I filled out my picks, I picked Lamar. Okay. I, I don't have any reason, necessarily. <laughs> I just thought, you know what? I'm going, I'm rolling with Lamar. And then I, I thought about it on Tuesday. Like, you know, I was like, ah, I can make a lot of change. I thought Louisville. Then I thought, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with Lamar. It, it's, t- it's a toss-up to yeah. me. I, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I... I like you, I think Louisville's going to score points. I, I'm curious to see, though, Lamar, if, if the Lamar shows up to play Trinity, Trinity yeah. that, then I think, I think Lamar wins. Yeah. Um, but if it's the one that squeaks by Waxahachie, because Louisville's not going to give him six. No, Taylor Green's six, too good to no. you know, commit that many mistakes. So, so I, I took Lamar, but Louisville, prove me wrong, he probably will. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to apologize next week in the podcast. Exactly. That's why we have Pickle yeah, and Regret I, on Monday's I, podcast. Nah, I don't apologize. We just say prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get the W. That's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that was a look at some of the uh, some of the big games in our coverage area. As far as games that we specifically will be covering, um, Devin, what is your coverage slate looking like? Uh, well, uh, it's about 2.30 on Wednesday, so who knows what's going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours. Everything is subject games. to change. Yes, um, and whatnot. Um, 6-5A Division Two uh, starts up. The season district season starts up uh, tomorrow. We've already had a cancellation in that district. DISD mm-hmm. is, is having a lot of issues COVID-related right now. But, yeah. uh, you know, Poteet and Thomas Jefferson um, are, are scheduled to go as of this point. Um, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night at Mesquite Memorial. And then um, – Friday night, uh, another non-district game, uh, Mesquite, who I'll see for the second time against Grand Prairie. How about you, Dad? David? Sorry. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to be um, at your home from last weekend, McKinney ISD, or was it last week? Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay, I don't know. 42 years old, old age is catching up for me. <laughs> uh, on Thursday, I'm going to be at McKinney ISD Stadium to cover uh, Skyline against McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Trump, McKinney's trying to look back to bounce back from last week's loss to Marcus. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that game goes out. And then uh, Friday night, I'm going to be all the way in Denton and see Collins, you know, to see the Colony for the first time against Denton High School. Okay. For me, I will be out in, um, I guess, in uh, in Justin covering our uh, our game of the week, aforementioned uh, Hebron against Northwest Eaton. We've already talked to Dawson about that one. Hope it's a good game. Friday, I'll be heading out to Little Elm. My schedule, um, you know, kind of has had to change a little bit. Like I was all ready to, you know, I guess cover Allen this week when they went to Cedar Hill, but then they won game of the week last week, so I had to pivot <laughs> and whatnot. So I'm trying to trying to cover as much ground as possible. So I'm going to instead be out at Little Elm to watch the Lobos try to get a bounce back against Plano. West. 2-0.0 West. 2-0.0 West. Eyeing a 3-0 start. They've uh, they've been getting done on, def- on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball early on with wins over Wiley and North Mesquite. Um, like I said, this is a program that's not too far removed from a 34-game losing streak, so just trying to you know search for any positive momentum that they can before they get ready for what's going to be a very challenging district schedule. Um, and we'll see if they can get it done against a uh, little own team that had a, a season opening shutout of its own. They um, you know they got a little bit too far behind against North Forney last week, so we'll see um, what sort 
sort of effort is in store Friday. Um, I think this is a chance to be a pretty competitive game. I guess yeah. I'd maybe side with Plano West by uh, by a little bit, not a ton. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. But yes, that game is uh, Friday seven out at the Little Elm ISD Athletic Complex. And um, yeah, folks, that's what we have on uh, on tap. And uh, that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to recap all of the fascinating happenings from Week Three. So until then, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.